you turn with me, please, to the chapter we have read in John 5 and take as our text tonight, verse 18, especially the last few words of this psalm, uh, sorry, of this uh, passage. John 5, verse 18. The Jews sought the more to kill him because he not only had broken the Sabbath, but said also that God was his father, making himself equal with God. Especially these words, that Christ made himself equal with God. Some of you may know the late Reverend David Silverside. And I was only at the beginning of my ministry some years ago when I had a conversation with him after a meal and uh, we met at a conference and he was kindly asking me various things about the ministry, such uh, what are you preaching about and so on. And I, I, I answered what I was doing and I, th I think I said, I'm hoping to do shortly uh, maybe one of the Gospels. Um, and he looked at me seriously and said, make sure you focus on the person of Christ. And I thought, I said, well, yes, I said, without thinking much. I thought it was quite obvious. But that sentence never left me because I could see how easily it is to read the Gospels and focus on so many other things, rightly so, but perhaps miss the very center. And that is what you have here. The fact <clears throat> that Jesus was equal with God. And this is what so many people miss. This is what naturally you may even have a distorted view of Christ. Even if you have read the gospel so many times, even if you have heard of Christ for quite a long time, do you know who Christ is? What do you think of him? Was he a nice man? Was he a good person? Was he a liar? Because at the end of the day, we are all confronted with what he said and what, with what he did. Christ was either who he claimed to be or he was an imposter. And in this passage, we are confronted with this indeed, like in many other passages. <clears throat> But what, what many people today may miss, it was very clear to the Jews of the time. And for the modern man, perhaps the reaction of the Jews in these verses can be a little bit strange. But as you notice, they immediately were angry because they did not believe that Jesus was God. They didn't want to hear this.
So I'd like to, um, with the help of the Lord, look at three aspects uh, of Christ and why he was equal with God. And we find them all in the passage that we have read, in fact. The first is that Jesus was equal with God because he was of the same nature. Christ is of the same nature. Then secondly, he is of the same power. And he is of the same authority. This is what the gospel clearly brings us. This is what Jesus said about himself. Verse 17, he is of the same nature of God. This is who Christ is. Verse 17, he speaks of my father. Now that may be normal to you, but for the Jews who knew who God was and had all the revelation of the Old Testament times, to hear this from a prophet, even a prophet, it was blasphemy. Verse 19, Jesus continued speaking about doing the same works of the Father. Verse 20, he speaks of the Father that loves the Son, and he describes that they have a a relationship, an intimate relationship. And here is this man, Jesus, that is staring at the eyes of these people, alive with them, flesh and blood. They couldn't listen to this. He was making himself God. In verse 17, he speaks about the work. The work of the Father and the work that I do. He was describing himself as to be of the same nature, the same level with God, the most holy, eternal one the one who appeared to Moses and Abraham and of whom they were proud of being the descendants. By the way, verse 17, that speaks about the work of the father. There is, in a sense, a reference also to the work of God in creation. That was what the... Jews understood that was the work, the primary work of God, uh, apart from salvation and the sending of the Messiah. Christ was putting himself there alongside that work and the Sabbath rest. And that is why there was this connection and, and disagreement, because they wanted Christ to keep the Sabbath in their own way. But Jesus is saying, I'm the Lord of the Sabbath. He is putting himself in such an authority that was puzzling for them. And so the word of Christ here in direct response to these Jews complained was really serving as a rebuke 
to them. They didn't like this. They were too legalistic to be told what to think of God and how to deal with the rules and the Sabbath. <clears throat> and Jesus, in this way, maintained, maintained that it was good to do good in the Sabbath day, just like God intended the Sabbath. So it was obvious for these people, <clears throat> out of this controversy, that Christ was making himself like God. Philippians chapter 2, verse 9, we read the Apostle Paul saying about Christ that God also has highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name. It's a bit like what Jesus is saying here of himself, that all men, verse 23, that all men should honor the Son, even as they honor the Father. He that honors not the Son, honors not the Father, which has sent him. So this is a big problem, not only for the Jews, but for everyone today that studies or watches or read about Christ and his claims. You cannot receive the story of Jesus and make it at your own leisure, a nice man or a good person to imitate. Not at all. Christ made himself so clearly God. Equal with the Father. So you cannot be indifferent, nor you can call yourself a Christian if you think of taking Jesus and his lectures and his lessons as mere examples or something to try and follow so that you may model your life more like Jesus according to your own strength. That's not the Jesus of the Gospels. But sadly, it's the Jesus that is preached. Somewhere, sometimes. Nor you can take Jesus' sayings as just an historical person that did some good and then at the end of the day ended quite badly being killed. Jesus cannot be taken like this, just as any other historical person that you may admire or uh, Napoleon or some uh, good uh, soldier or any other important person of history. You cannot read Jesus like this and then close the Bible and go your way. Christ is calling himself the Son of God. So you are confronted with this and you need to give your soul an answer. This is affecting your existence because the Christ of history is declaring to be God incarnate. We read in that psalm that we have sung 
that there are many idols and there are many philosophies in this world. And there are many people that are so spiritually attracted by religion and many idols and many ideas to follow. And they are so committed. But so many people wish that they could see God. Roman Catholicism in my own country has so much a grip on people because there are so many people in, in recent history that they have, they have claimed to have seen an image or an angel revealing themselves about God and giving to these people special privileges. But Christ is claiming to be the image of God. God, the Son of God incarnate. You look at Christ, you learn of him, you see his character, and you have the revelation of God. Just like you are in flesh and blood without sin. This is a wonderful revelation. And think of the goodness of God, who is the invisible God, the eternal one that has been so caring for sinners like you and me and sent the second person of the Trinity to take a body, a human body, and walk on this earth so that you could see how God is. Christ is confronting each one of us with this declaration. He is doing the same works of the Father. He is in eternally, he has been eternally in the relationship with the Father, with love and intimacy with him. He has come down from heaven, born of a virgin. So there is no neutral ground here. You cannot dismiss Christ's life saying, well, that's not really for me. Um, he may be a good person, but I follow someone else. There, there has been no one claiming the same things and doing the same things as Christ did. Christ said in one of the Gospels, he, this is the Gospel of Luke, chapter 11. He who is not with me is against me, and he who does not gather with me scatters. How can you be indifferent? Because the, the moment you walk away from Christ and you don't do what he commands, you find yourself on the side of his enemies. This is so strong. In every sentence, Christ is dividing as it were the world in two. There are those who accept him and love him and take him seriously. And there are those that hate him and can't listen to his words. How is it? God incarnate in human flesh, claiming to be 
claiming to have come into this world to do a work of salvation and deliverance from sin and your condition of death and punishment. The Apostle Paul, writing to, first, to Timothy in his first letter, uses these so clear words, chapter 1. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. The invisible God, the God that even without your admitting is what your soul needs. The eternal one sent his son to save you from your sins, from the power of death, to give you assurance of heaven, to teach you how to get to heaven. Here is not a nice man. Here is not even uh, an important king that conquered most of the Roman Empire. That there is more. And as we can see shortly, he is not Christ is not only making himself of the same nature of God, but secondly, he is also making himself of the same power of God, to have, he's claiming to have the same power of God. Verse 21, for as the father raises up the dead and quickens them, even so the son quickens whom he will. Verse 26, for as the father has life in himself, so has he given to the son to have life in himself. This is astonishing. And Christ is here asserting his equality with God. He is claiming to be and to have the same power of God to raise the dead. And that's what he did. For these Jews in these days before Christ came, they experienced and they, they have received from their forefathers testimonies of many miracles that God did perform. Think children, think, for example, of the deliverance from Egypt, of the people of Israel from Egypt, how God performed all those miracles and opened the Red Sea to bring these people out of Egypt. That was God. Everybody knew it was not Moses. Moses was the servant speaking for God. But they knew it was their God who delivered them from the slavery. And so on and after that, they were, there were prophets throughout history of Israel that did raise dead, praying to God. They were clearly pointing to the fact that as prophets, think of Elijah or Elisha. Uh, they were clearly praying to the God of Israel that he would manifest himself. And people was, were raised from the dead. Now, everybody knew God could do this. For sure, he is God. He is the giver of life. He is the one that can take away your breath tonight. But here is something quite disturbing for the Jews of these days. They've come to see 
this Jesus that apparently he didn't have a, a, a very important aspect or nothing attracted him himself. He didn't have a, a, a crowd of soldiers uh, or trumpeters uh, before he's walking into the crowds. He was just a normal man, apparently. But he claimed to have power over death. How about that? This Jesus showed the same power of God. And he did it. And many witnessed this. I think we read, we read this in la, uh, the other day in the chapter of Hebrews, that beautiful chapter of the examples of faith. Abraham, for example, we read that Abraham believed that God would have raised his son from the dead. But here we have Jesus doing the same, physically raising Lazarus. And everybody noticed this, saw this. And you remember in that occasion, by the way, that miracle was strengthened by the declaration of Christ to his friends. He said, I am the resurrection and the life. If you believe in me, you will live. This was the clear message for all those that witnessed Lazarus coming out of the grave. Jesus had the power, the same power of God. And so he did many and many more, many other miracles powerful, just like the one with, that we have read here with this man uh, at the pool of Bethesda. It took only a word for Christ to transform his life. And notice why Jesus did this. Christ did this because he had compassion on this man. This man said, I am here. 30, I've been here 38 years. I've been looking for a miracle. But Christ showed that he was exactly, he had the, exactly the same power that this man was expecting from God. So there are so many other uh, occasions where you read in the Gospel of John only that Christ is declaring to have the power to transform your life, to do this that he has shown in the Gospels, truly for your soul, <clears throat> to whosoever will ask him and call upon him. Let me quote you just a few of them. Jesus to the Samaritan woman in just one chapter before this one, he will say, whosoever drinks the water that I give, and he was speaking of the, his own word, his own spirit, not certainly the water that we can drink from a glass. <clears throat> Jesus promised to her, you shall never thirst. Your soul shall be satisfied. In the next chapter, six of this gospel, Christ is 
speaking about the food and the bread that is coming from heaven. So he's comparing himself again to the source of life, not only the satisfaction for your soul, but he is the one who is God himself, the son of man that can give you the life from heaven, bread from heaven. I am come down from heaven, he says. I have come down good to give life to the world. This is what you are called to believe if you think of Christ. So unlike the prophets of the Old Testament, like Elijah, that did act as, uh, as representative of God, Christ comes here and he says of himself, I do by my own will. I have this power and I will raise the dead and I give life to whom I will. Verse 21. For as the father raises up the dead and quickens them, even so the son quickens whom he will. Is your soul thirsty? Have you ever asked yourself seriously if there is a God? Did you ever hear his voice? Did you ever ask Jesus to answer secretly your prayers and to demonstrate to your soul that he is the giver of life? That your sins can truly be forgiven. That your future can be so much transformed that you can live with this assurance of eternal life. He is the bread from heaven. He that believes on him, verse 24 says, he that believes on him that sent me has everlasting life and shall not come into condemnation, but is passed from death unto life. So these are the promises that Christ is uttering and making make it available to all those that take him seriously and believe on him and take him as the one who has the same nature as God, the same power as God, as the Son of God himself incarnate well and thirdly christ is also making himself of the same authority that god has in these verses for example 22 we read that the father judges no man but has committed all judgment unto the son or verse 27 has given the father has given him Authority to execute judgment also, because he is the son of man. This shows that the father and the son have perfect agreement in the judgment of souls. And all judgment is given unto Christ. The Father has pleased, has been pleased to 
who is the judge of all the earth, to pass his judgment on the Son. So Christ here is claiming to have this authority. He is, as God is, the judge. And he made clear that one day, one day soon, this is what will happen. This is what Christ promised. He has fixed a day in which the world will be judged according to the Son of Man. Listen to the preaching of the apostles in Acts 17. There is a day in which he, Christ, will judge the world in righteousness. Sorry, God will judge the world in righteousness by that man whom he has appointed, having given assurance unto all men in that he has raised him from the dead. This is what God is pleased to do. He has sent his son. He has raised him from the dead after he has paid the price for sinners. And he has appointed one day where all, when all mankind, you included, will be judged according to Christ. Yes, the main purpose for Christ to come here on earth was not this. It was to save. It was to give up his own life and shed his blood to pay for all those that would believe in him. But there will be another day of his second coming when he will be asking What did you do with him? Listen to what he said. He will say on that final terrible day of judgment to those that have rejected him in this life. This is Matthew chapter 7. Christ says to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. On that final day, you will not find the Christ that is described in the gospel so willing to receive you now, so faithful and gracious and lovely and compassionate. This is the day of salvation. This is the time where you are to welcome Christ in your life. This is now the time that you are to love him and believe in him and receive him and ask him forgiveness and ask him to take your life and cover you and forgive you. Everyone that in the Gospels approached Christ crying and pleading with him for help and salvation, there was not one that was sent away. And this is your time. As you consider the Lord Jesus Christ as the one who is 
truly God, equal to him, that has the same power of God and has the same authority to judge all your sins. It is to him that you are to come tonight so that you may be saved. Verse 24, again, he that hears my word and believes on him that sent me has everlasting life. Friends, there's a wonderful promise, and that is not a promise made by a mere man. Here is the Son of God. Here is God himself that came down from heaven and showed his mercy in the person of his son so that you may be saved. If you refuse him today, for sure you are under judgment. You will be called into account one day And you will be asked if you have Christ. Remember what Paul to the Romans said in chapter 8. There is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And I pray and I beg you tonight to cry to the Lord, this Lord Jesus, for your assurance of salvation for the forgiveness of all your sins, for life eternal from heaven itself in Christ Jesus. May the Lord bless his word. Let us pray. Father, we pray that you may send your spirit to enlighten our minds and to humble our hearts so that we may acknowledge that there is only one name under the heaven for which we can be saved and to whom we can call for the salvation of our souls. Lord, help us, we pray. Open our eyes and draw near to all those that are here tonight, we pray so that your name may be glorified and your power may be seen and your name glorified and hallowed. This we ask for Jesus' sake. Amen.